Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. We have our guest with us this weekend, and I'm so excited to introduce our guest. Her name is Patsy Caminetti. She's going to be teaching out of her new book, which is titled Engendered. She'll be teaching a different lesson in each service. So uh, even if you can't make the other services, you, it will be on our website, it will be on our BC app, so you can listen to each of the services. And uh, Tony and Patsy, uh, they are missionaries. They pioneered three Bible schools um, in Italy, and then one in Singapore, and then they went to Australia, where, and they pioneered a Bible school where they currently live. They also pastor a church there. And we're just excited about how God's using them and what they're doing. We're excited that they're with us. And as Patsy teaches this message tonight, she's gonna teach some things uh, that for some of you will be the first time you've ever heard them. And I'm always excited when I hear something for the first time. But I wanna encourage all of us as she teaches this incredible part of the Bible, I wanna encourage us to see it through the eyes of one of our core values here at Believers, which is no perfect people allowed. I wanna just encourage all of us to know We're growing together, and we're gonna keep growing. We're going the same direction. And again, I'm really excited about this message. So TCI, Boardman, Warren, can we welcome Patsy as she comes forward to teach this message tonight? Thank you, Joe. It's good to be back in at Believer's Church. We We love this church, and you've actually been with Tony and I and our family in all of those places that Pastor Joe was talking about. And we just love that you have been such partners. It's been wonderful to worship tonight, hasn't it? Oh, my. And I don't know if if you guys looked at my notes or not, but yay, it feels like we're partnering here. It's just great. So we do have some things to look into the Word of God. And, and the writer in Psalms 119 says, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things in your word. The Bible, when the light comes on, is never boring. It is always a revelation about God, but it is not just a revelation about God. The more you know about God, the more you know about you. And so we don't have to have squirrely ideas about ourselves or each other. So we're going to look into the Word of God, and uh, let's just go ahead and pray, can we? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your holy written Word. What we know about it is, even though heaven and earth change, and even uh, we are hearing that the polar uh, cap is changing, and the magnetic pole is shifting, oh my, how could that have ever happened? But it is. So heaven and earth can change. But you said in your word, your word will never, ever change. So we look into something that is concrete, something that is stable, something to navigate our life by. We thank you for the light in your word that lightens our whole thinking and drives away the shadows so that we can live differently. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, we're going to start tonight in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis is the big book of beginnings. 
So if you were wanting to see something that uh, is the very beginning or the engendering, the beginning or the birthplace of things, you can look at Genesis. It's the first of everything. And so oftentimes in this book, and especially in the first chapters, because it is the first mention of anything, sometimes every word is weighted. Every single word and concept is significant. Every idea that we see in Genesis then just increases the light. If it was a dimmer switch, every single thought, every single verse just increases the light so we can see things clearly. We're going to start in Genesis 1.1. So if you'll look at this, familiar verse of scripture, we're still in the beginning of, of 2019, and I don't know, maybe there's some people that want or, are wanting to tackle reading the Bible this year, or maybe, um, maybe it might not be the first time that you've read through the Bible, but often for people who are reading through the Bible, we start in Genesis. Maybe uh, something in the Old Testament, one of the Psalms or Proverbs, and something in the New Te Testament, you know what I'm talking about. Well, when we're starting in the Old Testament, often, most often, we start in Genesis. So Genesis 1-1, and it starts off this way, in the beginning. So this isn't last year, this isn't last, last decade, this isn't last century, this isn't last, you know, some other season of human existence. Literally, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if we can believe that it is God that created the heavens and the earth, you can believe anything else in that book. The Bible is jam-packed full of miracles. People struggle with miracles, and sometimes they try to explain it away. However, if you believe that God created the heavens and the earth, you can believe anything else that is in the word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word create, if you're just looking at a definition of that word in the dictionary, means to cause to come into being as something unique that would not naturally evolve. So there are other ideas of how the world came to be, but if you believe in God, you believe as the creator, this is what we believe creation. The dictionary says this is what it is. Something unique that would not naturally evolve and or that is not made by ordinary process. It's created. The creator and this is also a, def a definition in the dictionary, is a person or a thing who creates or the originator. Right after um, it tells us that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, in the next verses in chapter 1 starts breaking it down what he created on different days. And so God originated all those things that he created in the heaven and in the earth. And so what we want to see here is that when God created 
nature, Romans the first chapter, we won't take time to look at that, but in Romans the first chapter, it says that we're able to understand even the invisible qualities of the Godhead or the Trinity of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We can understand qualities about him, characteristics about him, through things that he has made. It goes on to say that people get stuck. It doesn't say it exactly that way. That's my paraphrase. They get stuck and actually end up worshiping creation. They make idols out of parts of creation. And when that happens, there is a, there's something that happens terrible in the human. It makes a decadent effect when we hang our worship on creation rather than the creator. How many of you believe in the creator? God created the heavens and the earth and he did it magnificently. Something that we can see unique about creation uh, or through creation about God is he's not boring. Of when he made the heavens and he made the stars, he didn't just make them all cookie cutter. It, we're, we're told through astronomy that there are no stars that are alike. And the same thing goes with fish. There isn't just one kind of fish. There's a myriad of fish in all kinds of colors. And then with each species of fish, they're not even alike. And the same thing goes with dogs and cats. All mammals aren't alike. There is no, there's no trees just exactly alike. Tony and I have a son-in-law who's a horticulturist. There are plants that are still being discovered. There's so many uh, variety of every single thing that God created. Our God is not just a creator, but he's not a boring creator. He's a great creator, full of variety, full of color, full of, of personality. However, one thing that we can see about him, and one of the beautiful things that we can see about him, um, can only come through personal interaction with him. Uh, Tony and I, as Joe has said, uh, we've gotten to start Bible schools in different countries. When Tony and I were living in Singapore, I was teaching on a particular subject in the Bible school, and I had the, the students um, give a description of what they personally encountered with God. Characteristics, like if they were going to explain him to somebody who did not know him, had never known him. And I'm not talking about, you know, that he is omnipresent or that he is omniscient, all-knowing, not like that, or all-power, not all-powerful, not those kind of characteristics, those divine characteristics, but personality characteristics that you would have to know through interaction, personal interaction. Well, in that, in that class, uh, there were people from uh, Asian countries and because of that, they'd be from different cultures. Um, 
And then I got to teach this same class in, and ask the same questions of students um, that would have been from Africa, different ones from Europe, uh, from America, from um, Australia, from the islands. And so what I found was very, very interesting that no matter where the student came from, wherever their background was from, what their ever life experience was before, all of them gave the same kind of characteristics that they had experienced with God. Let me give you an example. Some God the Father. Now, these aren't the extensive lists that they gave over these years. I've taught this subject now for oh, about 15, 16 years. And, uh, and so I've had all kinds of students giving this list. I've condensed it down so that you can see. This is the characteristics of God the Father. God the Father. What are those kind of characteristics looking like? Well, he is ever-present. These are things that they said they came to know personally. He's ever-present. Anybody in here ever find out that God won't leave you? Yeah. Ever-present. He's good. He's gracious. He's generous. He's giving, he's forgiving, he's honest, he's impartial, he's just and fair, he's kind, he's long-suffering, he's loving, he's merciful, he's patient, he's a provider, and he's a protector. Then I had them give a list of characteristics that, of, of personal interaction with Jesus Christ that if they were going to explain Jesus Christ to someone, his personality, there are some words that would describe that. And I'm sure you could come up with some of these very same words. I'm sure that you'd even have some words to add to that. And not only that, but some of these words would come with a testimony of how he was merciful. Anybody in here, God was personally merciful to you? Yeah, indeed. And so these things aren't just known because you were taught them or you read them in a book or saw them on a poster. You actually experience these wonderful characteristics of God. Let's look at the characteristics of Jesus Christ, the son. He's committed. He communicates. He's compassionate. He's conquering. He's consistent. He's faithful, also forgiving. He's gentle. He's humble. He's joyful. He's loving, peaceful, selfless, serving, and true. What beautiful characteristics that we, that we know to be true of Jesus Christ. However, Colossians, the first chapter in verse 15 tells us also something about Jesus Christ. If you can look at that verse of scripture, Colossians 1.15, tells us he is the exact living image, essential manifestation of the unseen God. That's all that we'll read of that particular verse right now. The unseen God. Not only this verse, but there are multiple verses in the Bible that describe our God as Invisible. Now, that is a very important definition for us to know. 
description for us to know of our God. Jesus said this about God. He's a spirit. And that's why we don't have an idol of our God. We don't have something made out of stone or we don't have something made out of, out of any kind of material that we worship because Jesus said he's a spirit. He's invisible. And when we worship him, we worship him from our heart, from our own spirit, because he is a spirit. We can't see him. We can't touch him. We don't hear him with these ears. But anyone in this room testify that he is real, even though you cannot see him? Absolutely. And he has these characteristics about him. But you can't, how can you see these characteristics? Now, something that is, that God desired in creation, and the creation actually of the crown of his creation, which is uh, male and female. What he desired in making male and female is for man and woman who you can see, they're visible to be able to image the unseen God. I'll give you a verse of scripture of that in just a little bit. So man was made in God's image, but he was made, man was made with a, a purpose. And the great purpose that is built into the creation of man was they were not only made in his image, but they were made to image. Now, if you go to Genesis, uh, well, before we go to Genesis, let me give you a picture of, of what I'm talking about. One of the descriptions um, of the word image, of the word image is a reflection. Actually, even over and over, if you look at the, the Greek bearing out of this word image in the Hebrew, it means also a mirror. A mirrored reflection. Now, in this picture, I don't know which one is which. Which is the mirror and which is the face of this little one? Uh, Tony and I with Lily, I still remember. Um, she was quite little. And uh, I remember we were in Sicily at this time. And I, I took her up in front of a mirror and I said, that's Lily. I pointed at the mirror. I said, that's Lily. That's our first daughter. That's Lily. And she looked at it and she laughed and hit the mirror. And I could tell there was no, rec there was no uh, recognition of, of her in that mirror. She thought it was a different little girl. And she was happy to see her and she was trying to touch. And I thought, what a pathetic little girl. And so I gave her away. No, I didn't give her away. <laughs> What's wrong with her? She's broken. She doesn't get it. No. She didn't get it at first. So what I did is over and over and over, I'd hold her up in front of the mirror and I'd said, that's Lily. And I'd put her own little hand on her face. I'd say, that's Lily. One day it dawned on her, that look of recognition that the girl in the mirror is me. A reflection of, of you in the mirror is you, 
but it's different. It isn't the real you, you know, you understand. It's a reflection of you. And when God created man and woman in his image, man and woman weren't God, but they reflected God. They were actually made to mirror him. You couldn't see him, but you could see them. If you wanted to know what God looked like, you could look at man and woman because man and woman looked like him. So let's read Genesis 1, 26. I want to show you this verse of scripture in the book of beginnings. God said, let us make human beings or man in our own image or our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God, it says he created man in his own image. It says it again. It repeats it again. In his own image, in his image, God created him male and female. He created them. It, repeated, it repeats this, that God created male and female, man and woman in his image, these multiple times in just these two short verses. So man and woman wasn't just um, concocted, you know, just as a, as a beautiful um, work of art come together. No, very purposefully, strategically, God handcrafted male and female, and they were made not only in his image, but they were made to image him. Now, the originator of male and female is not Hollywood, is not some, it's not the Greek philosophers, male and female weren't, weren't um, constructed by some, some kind of uh, portion of human existence somewhere or science. God created male and female. Did you see that in Genesis? The first chapter in verse 27, he made them male and female. And they were made in his image. So he originated male and female. And so we could say it this way. He engendered. He started male and female. His thought of how they were to represent him came from him. It didn't come from somebody else. He didn't ask anything else that he had made any other day of creation. He engendered. He created male and female in his image. And so we could say it this way, he defined male, he defined female. Tonight we're going to look at male. The first service tomorrow morning, we're going to look at the fact that he defined female. He did. Now, the reason that we look at the characteristics of God that uh, are most relatable or identifiable to God the Father and God the Son we looked at that purposefully is because God designed that the male in a very amplified, a very particular way would amplify 
God the Father and God the Son. Let me give you an example why. In all the things that God created, and he created many things, plant and animal, nature, he created everything. But of all that he created, there was only one in all of his creation that he shared one of his names. And do you know what that was? Do you know who that was? A father. Nothing else has held the honor of the creator like the role of fatherhood. Now, if you were the devil, and through fatherhood, a child could look at, an uns- at a seen father and understood the un- understand the unseen God, understand the fatherhood, the giving, all those beautiful characteristics that we looked at, that he's ever-present, he'll never leave, that he's a protector, he's a provider, he's forgiving, he's merciful. God designed that a child would be able to look at a father and understand him. It was to be a seamless, a seamless growth of a child being able to see their seen dad and then just know and understand and trust an unseen God. Okay, if you were the devil and you saw that in fatherhood could come such a reflection of God the Father, you wouldn't want that. And the devil did not want that. What about these son characteristics? Do you know that in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, repeatedly, the scripture through the Holy Spirit tells husbands to love their wives, not like their dad did, love their mom, not like an uncle like, loved, or not like a mate did, a friend did, not like, not like their buddies, not like somebody down the way, no. Husbands are to love their wives like Christ. So God meant that husbands would literally be walking mirrors of the unseen Jesus Christ. That by watching a husband, people would say, Jesus must be faithful. Jesus must be merciful and forgiving and communicating and, and, and all those wonderful characteristics that we've come to know about Jesus. Husbands were intentionally created to mirror the unseen Christ. Unseen because he's in heaven today. He was only here on the earth for 33 years. People say, well, just put your eyes on the Lord. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. He's in heaven. People can't see him. God meant that through his creation of male and female, we'll get on female tomorrow, but through male in the roles that they play in their gender of a man, a father, a husband, that these character, characteristics, these qualities of the unseen father and the unseen son would be magnified 
I don't know if you've ever seen a mirror, and I'm sure you have, seen a mirror that is not only, uh, not only reflective, but also magnified. And through that magnified, you get to see details that, that you might miss otherwise. And then not only have they come up with magnified mirrors, but they even have uh, lighted magnified mirrors. And you can really see things, every detail. Does it mean that women, when I'm saying this, that man mirrors the father and the son, does it mean that women can't mirror the father and the son? Of course not. He, by his spirit, God, by his spirit, abides in us. Of course we can image him. But in the gender role of father and son, a man magnifies, and it's like a lit magnifying mirror. Now, in Genesis 1.28... After God said that he made male and female in his image, after his image he created them, male and female, then he gave the very first command of the whole Bible. Remember, Genesis is the first of everything. It's where everything is engendered. So the first command that God ever gave to male and female was to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. What God intended in the beginning was that man would fill the earth with his image. That they would be fruitful and multiply and his image would be multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. Much like, I don't know if you've seen those kind of mirrors that, that um, multiply you like in a fun house. God meant that by looking at the different generations down, 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 down through time that every one of the generations would look like him. That list of characteristics of the father, those lists of characteristics of the son, if you wanted to look what, like what kind looks like, you wouldn't have to look at it in a dictionary. You could look at it in a, in a man. Merciful, patient, how does that look? God meant that those visible qualities would be visible in a man. Now, he said to replenish the earth, but before man had an opportunity, man and woman had an opportunity to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, something dreadful happened. The Bible says in Romans, the third chapter, that man fell from the glory of God. All have sinned, it goes, it says, and have fallen from the glory of God. But Adam and Eve in that original fell from the glory of God. Has, I, have you, has anyone in here ever dropped their um, iPhone or your smartphone? And uh, yeah, and it didn't make it. Uh-huh. Yeah, me too. Just recently, my iPad Pro, I was at the top of eight stairs, not the middle, not the bottom, 
the top of eight stairs. And it, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it fell. Have you ever, have you ever dropped a mirror? Yeah. And it broke? Yeah. So how does that work for you? Can you use, is it easy to use a broken mirror? Can you tape a broken mirror and it work for you? Can glue, if you could, because you can glue. Tony was at some people's house, a lovely home, lovely home, and got his foot caught in the cord of a lamp, of a, in a lovely lamp. Then in just a couple seconds was not lovely anymore. She was very gracious. The woman of the house was very gracious. She said, oh, it's okay. I'll have somebody glue it back together. And they did. And sometimes you can glue things back together. And if you're very clever, you might not be able to identify the fractures. But in a mirror, if you break a mirror and it fractures, uh, yeah, yeah, what do you do with it? It's pretty much no good anymore. So when man and woman fell from the glory of God, they fractured. And if you'll look at that picture again of the woman's face that is fractured, it's so sad. I mean, obviously, you can tell that it's a woman here, but something is amok. One eye's up. She's probably even pretty, but she looks a little off. And so what happened with male, what happened with female, is that the re ability to reflect the perfection of a beautiful God cracked. Look at the next one. There are some who have fractured more than others. Some, it looks like they're even missing pieces. And so we've gotten used to people with fractures. Pastor Joe just got through saying that one of their core values is that we're with people that no one's perfect. We're all moving in God. We're all journeying and looking into God. And so no one can throw any bricks at, an, at another because Romans 3.23 said, everyone has sinned and fallen short. Everyone has experienced fracture. There's not one man, today, tonight we're talking about male. There's not one male that has escaped fracture. Some have more than others. Some uh, have, have been affected deeply, terribly, by the fractures of the fall, the fractures of sin, of going against something that God designed for them to do. Now, as a result, um, man looks a little bit different. The characteristics of how we stereotypically know male to be ends up being a bit different than the first list that we gave of the father and the son that they were created to image. I asked the same students who made lists of their personal interactions with God the Father and God the Son came up with those wonderful words of, you know, that he's giving and forgiving and kind and merciful, protective and 
all those wonderful words, I asked those students to uh, make a list of stereotypical negative, um, a list of male and also female characteristics. And I had to encourage them. They were Bible school students. So I had to say, don't be kind, don't be good, don't, don't do anything nice about this. Uh, be brutally frank about stereotypical negative traits of men. Well, then they had fun. They were laughing, you know, and, you know, looking at each other. And so it was kind of fun. Uh, and um, there were some pretty ugly things that came up. We're going to look at them. And we're not even going to talk about the women tonight. You might want to come listen to the ugly things that came up for women tomorrow. <laughs> Everybody got a fair go here, okay? So these are the ones that came up uh, for males. Let's look at them. So this is around the world. These are, this was in Asia when we first started doing it. And then I was in, you know, taught the same subject in Australia. And there were, you know, many nations involved of people that offered these lists. And the lists were the same. Okay? Abusive, absent, angry, condemning, cruel, detached, domineering, egotistic, harsh, indecisive, insensitive. Ooh. Hey, guys, listen. I cut the list down. I, I honestly did. There was, it was longer than this. I thought, uh, this is about all we can take on a Saturday night, hey? Domineering, egotistic, harsh, indecisive, insensitive, irresponsible, jealous, judgmental. Keep going. Lazy, non-communicative, selfish, stubborn, temperamental, unaffectionate, unfaithful, unteachable, violent. Don't you just want to get to know these people? Okay, now remember, when God made man in his image, he made him in his image to image him. As a result of sin, and with the fractures, do you remember those pictures of the fractured, mirrored image? This is what comes up. In other words, by looking at man, you might not ever understand God. You have to you have to go to special classes <laughs> about God to understand God. And thank God we have them. So sad. God meant for man to be magnificent, glorious. Women are amazing. Women are beautiful. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that men were made to glorify God as the glory of God. I'm talking about the male gender was literally made to glorify God. Do you know, the devil in seeing that male had the potential of giving God glory in the most unique and magnificent way above all of God's creatures, I believe he became, I'm talking about the male, became a target of particular loathing to the devil. 
to, to hurt him until, and he did until man is made the laughing stock in sitcoms. Diminished and, and put in storylines as either, either really weak or really mean. But certainly not the image of the father and the son that we started off with. And there's nothing that a human can do to themselves as a mirror to fix it. We have special classes. We have, we have rehabilitation. We have, we have a, all kinds of self-help. But you can't glue a mirror and it look unfractured. There was no way for male to be the glory of God until God, praise the Lord, aren't you thankful for God's redeeming plan of not just mankind, you know, that Jesus came to save the world. He also came to save the genders, the male and the female. And God gave a brand new Adam. Romans, the fifth chapter tells us that. When Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he talked about there being a first Adam that was the one in, in the book of Genesis, in the Garden of Eden that he made, that he formed out of the dust of the earth. But then he talked about a last Adam that is a life-giving spirit. God started a brand new race of people that could be born again, that had been born the first time in a fractured state. We were born a fractured people. No one was perfect. But when we're born again, Jesus Christ being the last Adam was a perfect son. <laughs> he was the perfect Adam that never ever did do anything wrong. I'd like you to look at Hebrews, the first chapter. Let's look at this verse of scripture. It says, the son is the radiance and the only expression of the glory of our awesome God. Reflecting God's Shekinah glory, light being, and the brilliant light of the divine, and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his Father's essence. This translation says this. He upholds and, uh, um, and maintains and propels all things. Jesus perfectly mirrored the Father. And he didn't just do it and then just say, y'all just do it the way I did it. If I can do it, you can do it. No. He didn't just set an example for us to follow. He gave us a new birth for us to experience. Tonight, in just a couple minutes, I'm going to pray a prayer. If you want to be born again, after this last Adam's kind and get a brand new start from the inside, Jesus will give you a brand new unfractured heart and things start changing from the, from the inside out. Let me leave you with one last verse of scripture. 
This one's in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we sang this song uh, in, uh, tonight when we were worshiping. It says, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, what's happening to us? We're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You look like what you look at. If you look and stare at your fractures or somebody else's, you mirror those fractures. But something beautiful happens when you look at Jesus. Looking at his perfection doesn't condemn you. It doesn't say, you're horrible, I'm perfect, but you're not. The perfection of Jesus does this. You look to him, and his perfection has the power to change you to look like him. Tonight, I want us all to be encouraged. Let's not get stuck in looking at the cracks, looking back, looking at the fractures, being discouraged at the way things have been broken. God's made a way for you to have a brand new, unfractured start in Christ. Men can be glorious as fathers, brilliantly reflect the characteristics of God the Father and God the Son. It can't happen on your own. It happens through looking at Jesus Christ. I want to pray a prayer for anyone who wants this new birth. If all of us can close our eyes, I'm going to pray a prayer that allows you to pray along with me. Dear Heavenly Father, there was nothing I could do to change myself. Thank you for loving me and sending me a new Adam. I believe in Jesus. I believe in all he did to take my sin and the fractures, the, un, the unrepairable broken places in my life. Jesus, I believe that you are Lord and I ask you to be my Lord. I receive what you did for me when you died on the cross for my sins and I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' precious name, with your heads bowed, everybody's head bowed, I'm not going to ask that you come up to the front or to say anything, but if you've just prayed that prayer, if your heart prayed that prayer, if you said, yep, that's me, I want a new life, I'd like you just to raise your hand anywhere in this room, say, yeah, I want a new life. I want a new start. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. A new life. Praise God. Open your eyes and look at me. Put your hand on your heart. Say this, I'm looking unto Jesus. Through him, I have hope of being glorious in my life, through my life, in the way I live. Thank you, Jesus. 
for being my Lord. Amen. God bless you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.